that. We're starting a brand new series this morning on uh, your neighbor and who really is your neighbor. What kind of neighbor are you? We're going to talk a lot about neighbors for the next four weeks. Um, we have a, a text passage for the entire series, and I want to read that to you right before I introduce you to some of the neighbors that you have that you may not even know about. It's in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 29. This is the foundation for this series. It says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. But he, the lawyer, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Notice that last line, and who is my neighbor? Well, we'll talk a lot about it uh, today and the next three Sundays, but right now, uh, since today is Mission Emphasis Sunday, and we're going to, uh, we, we've got so many places where we're invested from New Hope, five continents, over 2,000 churches that you have given to see come into existence. One of the most fruitful fields that we're invested in is in India. And one of the things I love about India is that not only do we have uh, investment there, but we have in, in our community of believers right here, we have a number of Indian families, and boy, we love and appreciate every one of them. How, how many of you are glad for the Indian families that we have at Duho? Amen. What a blessing. And in fact, uh, one that you're very familiar with because he's been here to the pulpit before to share with you about um, the work in India is uh, Brother George Varghese, and he's coming. And, and uh, we got, we, we don't have him here, and we got another one of our Indian brothers on the, on the uh, tech team back there working to help. So they're working together here. Would you make Brother George Varghese welcome this morning? Praise the Lord. This young man and his family and others who have helped and all of us who have worked together have, uh, have been instrumental and blessed in, uh, in getting uh, a number of churches. Brother George, would, um, the other George, let him have it. There you go. We got everybody running. That was my fault. I forgot the microphone. Turn it on for us, Tony. Thank you, buddy. Brother, make him welcome again since I messed it up. Thank you. You got it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Greetings to you all in the precious name of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. I would like to thank Pastor Bowen and New Hope for this opportunity to speak to you about India. Some of the pictures we are going to show is what we done last year in India. India is the most ethnically diverse nation with a 200 
2500 distinct people groups communities based on language race and religion hinduism is the most prominent religion in the country of india churches in india are highly diverse the understanding of god in western and eastern worlds are very different hindus may view jesus as another western god among the many gods they serve but the muslim population in india over 200 million they believe jesus only a prophet of god uttar pradesh is the state that we focus most of our works in it is the most populous state in india and is the home of hinduism 280 million people in one state it also has historical connections with buddhism and jainism the need and suffering in up is immense the state of up is very close very close to the gospel of jesus but we have been able to do mission work in india for the last 88 years with the help of you all new hope worshipers out uh, these displays now we are showing churches in different cities of india mathura the birthplace of lord krishna agra the place of taj mahal jaunpur and varanasi hindu holy cities and hatras different places out of this 78 districts we have reached 42 districts and have at least one church in each of these districts the total salvation has been 20000 souls and we have baptized over 6000 believers all glory to god next one we are seeing pastor vino joseph he travels to the most dangerously remote tribal areas covered by mountains and forest he travels by foot to share the gospel with the tribals who have no connection with the outside world he conducts baptisms and also believes in reaching unusually ignored places where people would not dare to go even to that place there is no bridge there is only a tree limb he walked through that tree limb to conduct that baptism in that remote area next one we are seeing that is pastors conference the churches and pastors were attacked by hindu extremists in different places one of our own pastor mj samuel tied up and beaten by a group of extremist they took him to the police station to arrest him but due to the prayers and involvement of people and favor shown by head of the police the pastor was released to go home the next day this is one of our large church in up 
believers worshiping there because of this pastor 8 years ago uh, listen to god and went to that place thank you hallelujah all all his injuries were healed now Re- restrictions were brought to open air meetings and believers were to meet indoors like that but soon restrictions were brought on house meetings as well most of the time when christians approach authorities to build a church they are rejected because they believe churches are built to convert hindus to christianity these some pictures we seeing how we are evangelizing the people in india street evangelism church meetings and gatherings usually happen in rented places it is amazing when church believers come forward to give their own places to worship for free we are able to build churches in these regions by spending 3000 to 5000 street evangelists they are distributing bibles and gospel tracts in the marketplace houses and they conducting open air meetings this is how gospel spreading all over india look at the smiling faces of these young evangelists when i saw their smiling faces i remember the matthew 28 19 to 20 jesus last commandment to our first priority therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit the teachings them to obey everything i have commanded you and surely i am with you always to the very end of the world age we were made for a mission we were created for a cause we were designed for a destiny so these evangelists launched out full of faith and vision brimming with a sense of significance we we also involved in social works in these areas we have started tailoring schools for ladies create opportunity job opportunities and tuition centers for 25 to 40 children we also run feeding programs and distribute school supplies for children and uh, young women have had their wedding expense fully sponsored by our work we plan to open more tuition centers for the school children that are cost effective but will also help reach their families the ministry in up was also able to help fund nursing education for two pastors daughters one of the daughter you are seeing in the picture many people came to lord through the instant healing of their bodies and when they get deliverance from demonic possession Eva, uh, next one these all our street evangelism you are seeing next one our nepal missions 
Nepal is a mountainous area between India and China. The mission we do here is right on the border of UP and Nepal. We are able to minister to people in this region who are criminals who cross the border to escape the prosecution. People are hungry for the Lord. Evangelist Tiwari to encounter a family on a train who was going to commit suicide because they believed they were under curse from their gods. But the encounter with the evangelist led to the salvation of that family. Now they have a prayer meeting that takes place at their house where 20 or more people gathering to worship the Lord. That five, that family consists of five people. They all serve and serve God now. People are hungry for God. So I challenge you to pray asking the Lord as to how you can help the missions in India. God has commissions you and I in order that none should perish. Second Corinthians 5, chapter 5, 18 to 20. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Let me ask you three questions before I am concluding. What will you do that none should perish? What will you say that none should perish? What will you give that none should perish? How will you change your focus that none would perish? Will you commission with God? I just want to thank New Hope Worship Center for their general support and prayers for the work in India and Nepal. None of what has happened would have been possible without the people, help of people like you. I most of all want to thank the Lord for what he is doing in India and how he is moving powerfully. We ask for your continued prayers as we press on and do what he has called us to do. Thank you and God bless you all. Amen. Praise God. Praise and Tracy, special thanks there. Help me to uh, help me with this presentation. Of course, my wife, my prayer partner and my co-worker in the mission field. Please pray for us. We are traveling again to India tomorrow early morning. Shalom. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Stand with us, please. Stretch your hands this way. And let's pray for Brother George. We laid hands on him and his wife in the early service. Let's pray for them again, will you? Heavenly Father, we just pray that you'll go before Brother George and prepare the way. That this will be a safe journey, a good journey, a fruitful journey. Pray that you'll bring him back to us safely, protect and bless his family here. 
and all of the families, Lord, that are so concerned about the homeland there. Lord, we pray for a mighty revival to sweep those hundreds of millions of people that live in that great nation. Bless today, we pray, and we'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. God bless you. We love you. Thank the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm telling you, when, uh, when you look at the hundreds of churches, and, and here's, here's the thing about it. The, the program that we have when we plant churches, it's in their DNA. They understand that we expect them to plant churches. And so we, we now have second and third generations of churches on the mission field where we've planted a church that has grown and the Lord's blessed them and they've reached out and started another church and another church. And you're going to be surprised when you get to heaven to see the reward that God has waiting on you. Amen. Well, my subtext today is the golden text of the Bible. John 3.16, and I want for just the next few minutes, I want to tell you the world's greatest missionary story, and here it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in, believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God had one only begotten Son, and he made him a missionary. He sent him to the world. He sent him to us, you and I. And the reason we're here this morning is because we have been privileged to hear the gospel of Jesus. And so I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about that. Number one, I want you to understand God's concern is redemption. Now I'm going to say something here at the outset of this message, and I'll explain it maybe a little better later on. There is no reason why there should ever be a financial problem in the, in the life or the home of a spirit-filled believer. Now, let me explain that. I know that sounds kind of radical, but let me tell you why. If you're filled with the Spirit and following the Lord and obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ, then God has made you a promise. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And you may say, well, preacher, I know, I know some spirit-filled believers that are having financial problems. I, and I'll admit to you, I've had times in my life where I've had financial problems. <clears throat> but here's what I discovered. The reason I was having financial problems was not just bad decisions, but it was because I was not seeking first the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and his righteousness. Because when you do these other things, Jesus said, will be added to you. If you get interested in what God is interested in, then God will bless you so that you can advance the cause of the kingdom. Uh, don't, don't shout me down now. Um, I'm telling you the truth, folks. This is the word of God. Jesus said, if we would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that all these other things, and, and look at them, those things are food, clothing, and shelter. In other words, everything you need, God said, I'll supply and I will take care of you. That's a promise from God. And we can exercise our faith and stand on that and believe it. But let me tell you what God's interested in. God is concerned with redemption. 
God's not concerned with a lot of stuff that we're concerned about. Uh, you may have a, a, a big screen TV that's as big as your living room wall, and, and that's okay. Uh, I'm not against that. I'm just telling you that God's not interested in that. God could care less whether you have a, now he's not, if, if, you, if you want that and, and that God can bless you to have that, but if that's your first priority, God's not going to help you get it. But if your first priority is concerned for what God is concerned with, God will see that your needs are met. And he will, he will even sometimes bless in, a, in abundance beyond. All of us are enjoying far more than, than uh, we could possibly have imagined. Let, let, me, let me show you the, God's concern for redemption. I, I just read to you the golden text of the Bible. The very next verse says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's the heart of the father. The heart of the father is the salvation of the world. The heart of the father is evangelization of the human race. That's the heart of the father. Look what 2 Peter 3, 9 says. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There again is the heart of God. God's not willing that any should perish. And he's not slack concerning his promise. If God said, I'll supply your need, you get concerned about what God's concerned about, and God will supply your need. I challenge you on that today. The second thing I want you to know, not only is God's concern redemption, but God's call is restoration. God's call to the human family is to be restored into fellowship with God. That's the heart of the Father. Look what Jesus read when he was invited to speak in the synagogue in Nazareth. They handed him the scroll, said, look up any scripture you want to and read it. Jesus turned to the book of Isaiah, and this is what he read. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's the call of God. God wants to restore us. All of these things that, that humanity deals with today as a result of sin, God wants to lift them out of that. And, and if you want to see people doing better, go to the mission field and find people who have come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and see how their life changes. They're no longer in bondage to a witch doctor or to a soothsayer or to a false religion that's draining them from everything that they have. They, they learn the Word of God and how to come against sickness and disease and all of these things. And God begins to bless them. He wants restoration. And thirdly and finally, you didn't know I could preach this fast, did you? This is my final point this morning. Thirdly and finally, God's command is revival. First of all, his concern is redemption. His call is restoration. And finally, his command is revival. Now, this is what I mean by revival. To revive means to bring back to life. And, and, the, and the commander of God is that we follow the, the great commission of his word. Brother George read it a while ago from Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Let me read it again. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I command you. And lo, I'm with you all the way, 
even to the end of the age. Amen. That's the word of the Lord. Um, Mark's gospel uh, also gives us the great commission, and he expands on it by saying, in Mark 16, 15 to 17. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs shall follow those that believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Where are these signs to be seen? They're to follow us. I, I, get, I get amazed sometimes at people that, 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 that get caught up with signs. We got people to travel all over the United States to see signs. Boy, they'll hear about signs and wonders and miracles. Man, they'll take off after their churches that, are, that, that have made a name for themselves, just signs, and people go to see the signs. I've never understood why. You know, down in Florida, uh, the nation's largest Ford dealer. And if, if you come into that particular area where that Ford dealer is, they got billboards. It's kind of like seeing that south of the border going over in, into South Carolina. I mean, you just see sign after sign that says Ford, Ford, Ford. Some of them are lighted signs. Some of them are flashing signs. There's signs, Ford, 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 Ford. And no wonder he's the largest dealer. There's signs everywhere. And, uh, but let me ask you, if the guy's name that owns it is Sam, if, if Sam was having some problems and he called somebody from Detroit to come down and see what, why things are not operating exactly right, and they came down and, and, and when they got there, all they saw on the lot were Chevrolets and Hondas and Toyotas and, and Mazdas and uh, Chryslers and and, and, and they, they'd say, Sam, um, we don't see any Ford. He said, yeah, but did you see my signs? Did you see my signs? And, and they say, yeah, we saw the signs, but the problem is you don't have the product. And, and, and they would say to him, Sam, we're not in the sign business. We're in the Ford business. Can I say to you this morning, church, we're not in the sign business. I'm not against the signs, but we're not in the sign business. We're in the redemption business. Jesus died, shed his blood. That's, that's what we're, and, and if we will get in that business, if you want to see some signs, praise God, look behind you. They'll be following along behind you. When you preach the gospel of redemption, when you lift up the Lord Jesus Christ, when you preach salvation to the lost and get them cleaned up from the world, the signs will follow those that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Get in the business that God is in, the redemption business, and revive the great commission. Praise the Lord. Let, let me close with this story. My message is done. I just want to tell you a little story. Uh, it's a true story. Uh, years ago, in fact, when we were pastoring our very first church, we were up in Cherokee County above Marietta, Georgia. And uh, God really blessed us there. We, had, uh, we were there almost four years before we came here. And uh, God blessed us. That little church took off. And uh, we became the largest church in Cherokee County. God just really blessed us there. 
And uh, we had a countywide crusade while I was there. And uh, we, we united with um, several brothers. The pastor of First Baptist Church in Canton, Georgia was a part of it. Uh, the United Methodist guys were part of it. Uh, the uh, uh, independent churches came together. We, we just had a, a, a great time together. We worked on that crusade for about a year. And during that year, I met a young man by the name of Dan Betzer. Dan was singing with the trio called the Fisherman's Trio at that time. He had a great voice. He started off in broadcasting, and later on he became the Revival Time, which is a national broadcast for the Assemblies of God. And uh, he was their speaker for many, many years, a great, great preacher and a great singer, a great, he, he just quite a guy. <laughs> I've heard him tell this story uh, so many times that I remember it well. And I, I love it. It's, it's one of my favorite stories about missions. Dan said when he was pastoring, he was planting a church earlier in their ministry. He and his wife, Darlene, they went to a little town in northern Ohio, right on Lake Erie. And they started with nothing. They had no help. They just started with nothing. And they, they finally got about 16 people together in their house. And eight of them got saved. These are brand new converts. And then the church started growing, and, and it grew up to about 75 or 80, and then it kind of stalled, and he couldn't figure out why it couldn't get beyond that. And the problem that they had when the church got up between 80 and 100 is that they couldn't make their budget. They're, now, you got to remember, this goes way back into the, into the 60s when he was doing it. Their budget in that little church for the whole year, their budget was $16,000. That was everything. That was their mortgage. That was the salaries. That was, that was utilities, insurance. That was everything. 16000 for the whole year. The problem is they, they couldn't make that 16000 That breaks down to a little over $300 a week that they needed to come in in the tithe and offering. And they were falling short of it every week. And the tithe and offering would be about... 200 and some dollars. It always falls short of that 300. And so they were getting further and further behind. And dad did everything he knew to do. He preached on ties. He, he, he did everything he knew to do. And, 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 and he just still, it'd be 200 and some dollars. And so they were getting further and further behind. And he, he literally got down sick. He just, he saw the thing going under and he didn't know what to do. And he was shut up in the house for several weeks. And he started crying out to God. He just cried out to God and cried out to God until God finally spoke to him. And God said, I'm going to tell you three things to do. And if you'll do them, I'll bring your church out. And uh, he said, all right, God. And he said, first thing I want you to do is have a mission conference. And he said, okay. So the second thing I want you to do, I want you to invite Oswald J. Smith to speak at the conference. And Dan said, when the Lord said that, spoke to his spirit, not an audible voice, but a spirit. He said, I laughed out loud. Oswald J. Smith. Now, most of you may not know who Oswald J. Smith was, but let me tell you, when Oswald J. Smith died, Billy Graham preached his funeral. Billy Graham said at his funeral that Oswald J. Smith was the greatest voice of missions of the 20th century. Dr. Oswald J. Smith was pastor of the famous church, the People's Church in Toronto, Canada. Way back 
generations ago before anybody else was given big amounts of money to missions, Toronto's People's Church was giving over a million dollars a year to missions. And, and Ben said, you know, how am I going to get this guy? He's written 57 books. He's, he's written 1,500 songs. Some of the great old hymns of the church was written by Oswald J. Smith. Tis the sound of the soul set free. Oh, great uh, stable hymns of the past are, are attributed to him. 1,500 of them. 57 books. And, and he said, uh, okay, Lord, yeah, I'll, I'll invite Oswald J. Smith and I'll, I'll bring in the Marine Band and I'll maybe ask Frank Sinatra if he'll sing a solo. Uh, he said, that's impossible, God. How could I get Dr. Oswald J. Smith? And the Lord said, ask him. We have not because we ask not. That's in the book here, by the way. So he said he got up to nerve and he wrote him a letter. Dear Dr. Smith, we're having a mission conference at our church. And we'd love you to come. It's a great church. He said it was a great church. It's just dinky, but it was great. And Oswald J. Smith, to his surprise, wrote him back and said, I will come and I will invest a week of my life in mentoring you and teaching your church about missions. And so he came. I don't know how many of you have ever seen Oswald J. Smith. I'm old enough. I have been able to see him and pictures of him and so forth in the past. But, but Oswald J. Smith was a little under six, almost six foot tall. Weighed about 130 pounds. Had a big head of solid white hair. Big bushy eyebrows. And these are my uh, Dan's words, not mine. Deep eye sockets with no eyeballs in them. <laughs> Dan said he looked like a cadaver. But in those eye sockets was fire when he looked at you. So I never saw him smile, just fire coming out those eye sockets. And so Oswald J. Smith came in and Dan Betcher said, I don't know what I was expecting, but said, I introduced him. I said, uh, I said we had almost 100 people there that morning. I said, folks, we are so honored. We are so blessed. We've got a world-renowned minister with us this morning, the great Dr. Oswald J. Smith from the People's Church in Toronto, Canada. Would you make him welcome? And everybody applauded. And Dr. Smith stood up. And Dan tells it like this. He said, you can't make this stuff up. He said, Oswald Smith just stood there. And he looked at everybody. And he just kept looking at everybody. And he looked. And finally he spoke and he said, you make me sick. He said, boy, he had, his, had our attention. And then he stared a little bit longer and he said it again. You make me sick. 
And he said, now everybody in the congregation is glaring, not at Smith, at Dan Betzer, <laughs> the pastor. And he turns to his wife, Darlene, and he says, pack. We're out of here. He said, I don't know what I was expecting, but said, here I bring this man in and he insults my whole congregation. He finally started, he said, you make me sick. You left your comfortable little air-conditioned homes this morning and got in your fancy little air-conditioned cars and drove down here to your nice little air-conditioned church and you sat out on your nice little padded pews. And what do you expect from me? You want me to entertain you for the next little while? You make me sick. Why should you hear the gospel when you've heard it over and over and over again? Half of this world hadn't heard it at all. You make me sick. Dan Betcher said, I was so angry. He said when he finally got done, I put him in the car and took him to the motel. He said, I didn't even speak to him. But he said, Smith don't care. People like Smith don't care. People like Smith hear different music. People like Smith, they're in a different world. They don't care about anything except the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it. He said the next night I picked him up and he said, I knew when we got to church there wouldn't be anybody there but me and him and Darlene. And he said, I wasn't sure about Darlene. But he said, when, when I got to the parking lot, one of my ushers came running up to me and he said, Pastor Dan, y'all can go in the back door and let me have your car. I'll park it. We had to put somebody in your place. And I said, why? And he said, because the parking lot's full. And he said, I said, why? <laughs> he said, I thought maybe they brought a rope or something there. He said, no, they... And he, and he said, we went in and he said, I peeped out at the congregation and said that the church was full. They were, they were adding chairs to the middle aisle for extra people. And he said, I thought, oh, praise the Lord God, you've given this man a chance to redeem himself. Pour in a little oil and heal the wounds that he caused last night. He said he was worse. <laughs> he said, why do you think? that you should hear the gospel twice when millions of people have never heard the gospel once. What do you think you do to deserve that? And Oswald Smith, by the way, made that statement famous. Why should anyone hear the gospel twice until everyone has heard it once? You know, I was thinking about that this morning as I was riding in. I don't, I don't live but about 10 or 15 minutes away from here, but I came by numerous churches this morning on my way to here. There's churches in a stone's throw from the front. You could go to the front of the parking lot and almost hit a church that way and one that way. There are churches everywhere. We got gospel radio. We got multiple gospel stations right here in Augusta because some people like Southern gospel music and some like contemporary music and some like 
gospel rock and some like. And so we got we we just got everything you can imagine. We got gospel television stations. We got we're so we're gospel glutted in America. While there are people that are starving in other places. He said Wednesday night the crowd was even bigger. They had people standing out in the foyer trying to listen in. And he said it was on Wednesday night that his spirit broke within him and he realized that, that I'm a debtor to the world. Let me ask you this morning, what kind of neighbor would I be if I, 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 I leave the house on Sunday morning between 5 and 5.30 and if when I pulled out this morning out of my driveway, if I if I had looked next door and my neighbor's smoke was coming out of the top of his roof, and I noticed that actually the flames were were kind of leaping up, and if I had seen that, and I just drove on, so I I got, I got to get to church. I got to open the church this morning. I, I I got to get back to my routine. I like to pray over the place in the morning, and and everybody before anybody else gets here. I like that time alone. I just I can't worry about that what kind of neighbor would I be that that's almost criminal and can I ask you this morning how can you and 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 me sit here today knowing what we know about the saving grace of Jesus and experiencing the love that God has given to us and the mercy that we've walked in and the grace that we've walked in. And there are other people that have never heard it. We can go about our business and say, well, we, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. We, we got our stuff to take care of. No, that's not being a very good neighbor. We have a responsibility. Dan Betzer said it was on that Wednesday night that the Lord spoke to him in the service and said, I want you to give your car to missions. And Dan said, uh, whoa. He said, <laughs> he said, I had a, a practically new, it's only a year old, Bonneville Pontiac. He said, I loved that car. Had it on 24-month note. He said, you know, as a Pentecostal preacher, there's not much of this world you can enjoy, but a nice car is one of them. And he said, I loved my car. And so I, I kind of pushed that aside and said, we got home to church that night and I'd pretty well forgot about it. Surely God wouldn't want my car. And said, after we got the kids to bed, my wife looked over at me and said, Dan, did God tell you to give our car to missions? And he said, yes. She said, I think we ought to do it. She said, it really irritated him. But he said, he said, I'm not stupid. You know, if I thought I heard God and my wife has confirmed it, I probably ought to do it. So, but he said, I'm not stupid. He said, uh, I, I, I got up the next morning and I went down to the pay, newspaper and I put, uh, put it in the want ads. He said, I advertised that Bonneville Pontiac, one year old. And he said, I put a price on it that only an idiot would buy it. And he said, Monday, I watched that idiot drive off with my Bonneville Pontiac. <laughs> And so my wife is standing there, and I got, I got, I got, this, I got this check in my hand, and I said, uh, 
well, I got to go down to the bank and, and um, pay off the loan on the car and then, and then um, whatever's left, we, we give that to missions. Darlene said, no, no, honey, I, I think God wants us to give the whole thing. And he said, he said, you don't understand the way this works. said, the note was on the car. That would be illegal. I've got, <laughs> I've got to pay off the car before we take the equity and give it to mission. She said, well, you just go right down there and you tell that nice little man at the bank that we'll keep making the payments, but we gave the car away. And he said, I went down to the bank. And I told that banker what my wife told me to tell him. And he said, well, pastor, that's no problem. You just sign right here. We'll let you stand good for it. We'll give that card. Uh, we'll give that, uh, that payment to you on your signature. And he said, we kept making the payments. And they had my car. Now, he said, the only thing we had left, said we had an old green rusted out barely sputter and run rambler. Most of you aren't even old enough to know what a Nash rambler is, but it was ugly. <laughs> he said it, it was hard. He said, I hated that car. I hated that car. I hated that car. He said, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, you're, you're waiting for me to tell you that God gave me another car. He said, no, that's what I'm trying to tell you. God didn't give me another car. I drove that ugly, awful, green, rusted out Nash, Rambler all over town. Embarrassed me. It's awful. Said I had a horrible attitude. And he said, I know that God loves a cheerful giver, but I found out he'll take it from a grouch. But he said about eight or nine months later, he got a package in the mail. And in that package, there were some pictures. And there were pictures of a church that that Bonneville Pontiac had paid for in another country, third world country. Oh, it wasn't a church like we would build in America. It was a cement slab floor and steel post and steel corrugated metal roof. They used cement blocks and put wood across them for benches. They said that little church was packed with people who had come to know Jesus as their Savior. And he said, suddenly it dawned on me that when that Bonneville Pontiac is wore out, rusted out, sitting up on cement blocks or crushed by some metal company, there'll still be a thriving church with people being redeemed by the blood of Jesus, by the hundreds or maybe the thousands that will live on and on and on. So you tell me which is the best investment, a Bonneville Pontiac or a church it's bringing redemption to the lost. Check to see what God's interested in. 
Here's what we're going to do this morning. By the way, let me stop here long enough to, to say this. I don't want anybody to go giving your car away because of what I say. You obey the Holy Spirit. I'm not trying to influence you to do anything that you don't want to do. I'm, I'm just telling you. I, I'm just telling you where the heart of God is. And you know, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. I'm not asking you this morning to make a pledge. We don't take pledges here. Pledges are obligations, legal obligations and responsibilities. And you, you make a pledge out of what you can work in your budget. I'm asking you to make a faith promise. I'm asking you to respond to the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart and, and then see how far you're willing to exercise your faith. You, you may not have but a dollar faith. That's all right. Exercise it. God may challenge you this morning to give way beyond anything you ever thought about. I've wrestled with this all week because I know what we're going to do this morning. And I checked with my wife the other day to see we are, where we are. Budget. But my, my budget, I, I can't add anything to my budget. My budget's already budgeted out. In fact, she's given to some things I didn't even know she was given to. And, uh, and that, that's okay because it's good things. It's, it's things that I'm sure I agreed to. When she mentioned it, I just forgot about it. But we got to figuring out how much we, you know, our tithing. By the way, <clears throat> a missions offering is not your tithes. Don't divert your tithes into missions. Tithes belongs to the Lord. That's the first part. It belongs to God. You, 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 you're returning to God what belongs to him. And he promised that if you do that, that he'd take care of the rest of, of your income. The mission's faith promises beyond what you're, you believe in God to help you do. And, and I, I, I realize that I'm going to have to stretch my faith if we increase, and I plan to increase. We already give a substantial amount to missions from, from our income, and we... We give to other things. We support a child uh, each year. And, uh, and we take care of that child and make sure that that child is able to grow up and have a good life and get educated and so forth. And, and then we do, do 100 a month to the eye care for the, 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 the young women in, in our area that have been trafficked and, and getting out of that and to make a way for them. And, and, and we give to other things. And God challenged me three years ago. And just to, let me tell you my routine. This, I'm not suggesting that you do this. Just it, it's something that I enjoy. And it's been a blessing and God has proved faithful in it. About three years ago, the Lord challenged me to, to bring a gift to him every time I come and pray. And I, I got so excited about that. I said, Lord, you give so much to me. Every morning when I get up, I'm breathing your air. I'm eating your food. I'm blessed. And, and I just love the idea of giving to you. And, and I'll give to you if you'll provide it. And so every morning, the first thing I do when I get to my office, I go in and get on my knees and I pull out a $5 bill and I hold it up and I say, Lord, here's my offering this morning. This, this, is, this is for this house. I want you to bless it today, and I want you to provide me for it so I can do it again tomorrow. 
And then I, I pray the Lord's Prayer. And, and then I have communion uh, daily before the Lord. And then, then I start my routine of the day. And, and God's challenged me the other day. One of, one of the things we give to is Israel. And the Lord said, I want you to do the same thing for Israel that you do for this house. And so I'm, I'm going to add that. But, but let me tell you this. In three years, in three years now, God has never failed to supernaturally provide me that $5 a day. It's, it's come from somewhere unexpected every month. I've, I've, come, I've come right down to the end and say, Lord, I don't, I don't have it tomorrow, but I believe you'll provide it, and somehow God does it. I, I'm just telling you this. If you're willing to be a conduit for God's blessings, God will show himself real to you and provide for you. So these are faith promises. I'm going to ask the ushers to come and stand here at the front. And here, here's what I want you to do. I want you this morning to exercise your faith as, as the Lord leads you, as you feel that you can. Now, here's the thing about a, a faith promise. If God doesn't provide it, you don't have to give it. And you don't have to feel guilty about it. That, that's what it is. It is a faith promise. Do you understand me? It's a faith promise. I'm promising that I'm going to exercise my faith and believe God to supply this for me. And I will give as God supplies. It's not a pledge. Now, I know the enemy speaks to some people and, and some people feel guilty because you made a pledge a long time ago and you weren't able to fulfill that pledge. Listen, get over that. Let me tell you how to get over it. Just repent of it and ask God to forgive you for it. He will. He will. He's not going to hold you under, under condemnation. That's not from God. I read it to you a while ago. Jesus didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. Amen. So ask God to forgive you that past and tell the devil to get lost when he starts reminding you of that stuff. If you failed, so what? We've all failed. We've all come short of the glory of God. And that's why God forgives you for those things. Forget that. This is a brand new day <laughs> and it's faith. I want you to stand with me right now. And I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, we have people depending on us. We got people from this church that are on the mission field. We got Michael Conway in South America. We got Ben Johnson in Beirut. And Lord, we got Brother George going tomorrow back to India. Lord, we've, we've got others that we're, we've made commitments to and we want you to bless today. Lord, I pray that we'll be able to expand. Lord, I pray that you'll hasten the day when there's at least a million souls that have come into the kingdom of God because of the giving of new hope. Speak to us this morning, Lord. Speak to us, I pray in Jesus' name. Here's what I want you to do. I'm, I'm, I didn't have the ushers to hand these out. Here's what I want you to do. I want you, as you feel the Holy Spirit leading you to respond, I want you to just come and take one of these cards from the ushers and I want you to go back to your seat and, and write down what you feel that the Lord would have you to give in missions for this next year. Be that you can, you can mark it daily or weekly or monthly or however you want to give. And, and then when you've filled it out, if you need a pen, they've got pens. When you've filled it out, then I want you to bring it back here to, to this little platform where I'm standing. And also if, if you have a offering that you'd like to give to missions this morning. Lord may be speaking to your heart right now. 
I, I, was in a, I was in a meeting the other night, and the Lord spoke to me and said, give $200. And I said, God, that's all I got. That's my emergency money. God said, give it. And I did. And thank God, before I got home, God had blessed me and replenished that in an unexpected way. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to encourage you to give to get. That's not the give because you love God and you want to connect to the heart of God and then trust God to meet your need. I made a statement eight years ago at the end of the service like this. I said, there's no one in this building that can't give something. And I forgot that the homeless people were in that service sitting over here on this side. It was the 830 service. <clears throat> and they gathered around Brother Roger right after, the, right after the service. And they said, you've been preaching to us for two years and you've never received an offering. We believe we can build a church in Africa. And he started taking an offering the very next Saturday. And they built a church. They wanted to build their first church. They wanted it to be to a people that had never heard the gospel. And we literally went, we had people on the ground there that went into the Sudan. They literally had to bushwhack their way back to get to a tribe of people that they heard about that lived in the woods. They didn't wear clothes. They were a warring tribe. They just fought and killed each other. And we were able to win that tribe to the Lord. They wear clothes now. They have a church now, the first church that the bridge built, a homeless people built. They have a church now. They have a school now. They're being trained, and, and they, they're just so hungry for the Word of God. They'll sit for eight, ten hours straight saying, give us more of the Word, give us more of the Word. And since then, 20-plus <clears throat> churches, I don't know how many, I lost count, but the bridge ministry has built around this world. Homeless people, homeless people, because they were willing to give something. Brad was in Australia at a missions conference and Don Matheny was there from Africa and he was showing a picture of that church and he said, let me tell you who built this church. Homeless people from a church called New Hope in America in Augusta, Georgia. <laughs> they built this church and if homeless people can, what's our excuse? He said, wow. I, I want to respond to the Lord today. Just come on. Just come on. Just come on. Lord, bless our people as they respond now to give in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you, if you, if you feel like you would like to help us this year, to some, some will want to plant a church. Some will want to do more. I don't know. What, whatever God's speaking your heart about, you respond. Let God help you with that. Believe God to take care of you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat>